to the Courtside Hoops podcast with Reg and Buckets. Uh, I'm Reg and I'm joined by Buckets on this Monday evening. Um, I dare ask how you're going after today's game. Uh, I guess I have to because it's the usual the usual intro. Yeah, I'm pissed. Today has <laughs> not been a good day. Yeah, I was Is thinking it... um, when I when I upload the pod, I have to I have to put whether or not they're swearing in it. So I might have to put that there's swearing in this one. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you, this is this is why I don't bet on NBA. You know, we we have friends that say, you know, NBA is easy money. You know, they got these crazy odds. You can make so much. I the Lakers did exactly what I said they wouldn't do. You know, they, I just it, it does makes no sense to me. And this this is why sports is the greatest drama you could ever see because. It doesn't matter what level of talent out there. The game is played between the ears more than it's played between the lines. Yeah, you're spot on. And you know what's funny? I literally had a Lakers 10 plus, AD 35 plus multi. <laughs> so I'm just as bad. Yeah. I am just as bad. Although, if, if, you know, maybe maybe because I'm in such a bad punting form that it actually was reverse psychology and helped out Miami. <laughs> That's right. Well, can you bet on Miami for the rest of the series, please? I mean, my... Miami were like like six dollars just to win, like it was. I think the the line was like minus nine and a half or something. Like it was a big difference for an for an NBA game. Like you don't usually see that in for an NBA game. It's usually you know four or five points maybe, but it was nearly ten. Like it's mm. just insane. That's right, and we we all thought it was over. We all thought you know I I didn't see anyone really not say a sweep. All the analysts are thinking this you know they're just overmatched, and they are. The teams, yep. the, the the gap between the two teams at their best is huge, but yep. that's why we love sports because these things happen. And I will, I, I I have to immediately put my hand up and say in the last pod I said that Jimmy couldn't do this. <laughs> um, so for the listeners, I, I do know a little bit about, about basketball, so don't leave just because <laughs> I said that. Because I I said he's not the kind of guy I can go out and give you forty. He had forty today. <laughs> Um, and I mean, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll obviously get into the game, but um, it's the best game he's ever played by a country mile. Um, I, I, you know, as we were speaking about before, I've been watching him since his, his Chicago days, and he's had big halves, he's had big moments. Um, but the, the context of this, and I know it was back against the wall and things like that, so um, some guys sort of um, tend to thrive in those environments. Um, I mean, look at the, look at the Denver Nuggets, um, but. I, I didn't. I honestly didn't think he had a, that that level in him. You know, we spoke about in the last pod that they're going to have to go to another level in order to win. Um, it pretty much played out how we said it would have to play out. Lakers would have to play below their best, and Miami would have to be at their best. And Jimmy was certainly at his best. Um, and you know, they they got obviously another nice contribution from from Kelly Olynyk, who was just hitting timely shots down the stretch. Uh, Tyler Hero found his groove in the late as well. So, um, where yeah, do you just... um? You've watched a lot of Jimmy Butler over the years, yeah. Um, and you've said that that's his best game. I think probably most people agree that's his greatest game of his career. Yeah. Where do you think it ranks in the all-time NBA Finals performances? I wouldn't. I wouldn't know like exactly a number, but it would be up there, um, and and purely because. It was not just um, the the triple double. It was not just the offensive end. It was that he was doing it on both ends. Like we've had so many great performances over the years on one side of the court, 
Um, but he was he was in it. I mean, he played nearly the whole game again. Um, guarded LeBron a heap, um, and then was I, I've never seen Jimmy want the ball like that late in a game, especially when LeBron was guarding him. I was like, geez, this, he's just got this level of confidence today that's just off the charts. And he was not backing down. He was, t- you know, at one point he a lady drove in and did some hook shot thing, and then like laughed at LeBron like. It was just like wow, like I it blew me away. And look, I've I've seen Jimmy have good moments here and there. There's a, there was a game he played for the Bulls. It was in it was in a um, playoff series against the Raptors, and he had zero points at halftime and ended up with like 34 for the game. So it was like a 34 point second half, and it was unreal. Like I was like, wow, that's a really impressive performance. And that to me was one that came to mind. But this is next level. This is this is not what I thought um, Jimmy was capable of. And that's not having to go at him. Like, he's a great player, but I just didn't think he was capable of, of this level. Um, and I guess, it, it, um, to me, it's like, as amazing as it is, I think it's because we don't expect it from Jimmy. Like, he, his numbers is something that we might expect from a LeBron <laughs> because that's just what he's done so often. But because Jimmy hasn't done it, it's like, I think that, that seems to raise the level because it's not his, his norm. Like, he, he's a 20-point-per-game he's a five rebound five assist guy in the regular season he's doubled that across the board that's pretty hard to do <laughs> um where did you have it or what do you think it it sits all time it's to me it's it's right there with um and i, I put it in the category of, of performances when you are so overmatched so you know we said coming into this series that you know, you know when they say, you know, that, that guy will just will your team to one victory. Like, they're probably not going to win the series, but that guy can get you one win. That's exactly what we've seen in Game 3, is he has willed Miami to, to the win by affecting the game in, in every facet. Um, and you said there that LeBron took that challenge to guard him the same way he took that challenge against Jamal Murray in the Denver series. And Jimmy just put it in his chest. It was two or three plays where it was one-on-one LeBron versus Jimmy, and I'm looking at it thinking, okay, you know, this is this is what we need. We need to get some stops. And Jimmy would just went one-on-one and scored on him. And you could see there was one play there where he, he gets a um, just a little eight-footer in the lane, and LeBron slams the basketball in frustration. You know, to do that against one of the, the best defenders we've seen just shows how well Jimmy was playing in that game. So I put it up there with you, you, Alan Iverson, 48 points in game one in 2011. Um, the, the games two and three of 2015, when LeBron was in Cleveland, um, and obviously Kyrie and Kevin Love were both hurt, and they won those two games. Jordan, 63 against Boston. Um, LeBron's 51 in 2018 against Golden State. Just... When you're so overmatched, the other team is so much better, but you can just have a game where you can will your team to a victory. You know, it, it's right up there with those great games to me. So I didn't expect it, um, but you, you I don't can't, know if anybody did. <laughs> no, you just got to tip your hat um, to Jimmy yeah. Butler and Miami as a whole. Like they they did what they needed to do. They they haven't conceded. They haven't rolled over. They just keep fighting and getting better and better. And today was just one of those those moments where they played close to their best basketball for 48 minutes. And you know what, what's incredible? That he doesn't care that he had this miraculous all-time performance. He cares that they got the win, and that's that's one win. Like, you know, it's, 
I, I know we, we've harped on it a lot, but it's just incredible that that um, to be that way. It's it's very 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 unique, um, and it's just testament, I think, to to that culture. You know, it, I, I feel like we're flogging a dead horse, but it's just it's the way it is. Um, and yeah, I mean, I must admit, um, obviously not a not a Miami fan, um, as I'm sure everybody knows. I'm a, uh, unfortunately a, a Chicago fan, although I wasn't uh, at the moment. But I, I don't think I've been that excited about a performance from somebody that I that that sort of took me by surprise in as long as I can remember. Like when we like when you've got guys who you expect it from, we've we've spoken about this before. It almost takes away a little bit from it because like we take it for granted. But when a guy does it who doesn't do it consistently, that's when I think it, it, it becomes an all-time performance. And as you say, it's because they, we know they're outmatched. Um, and he literally had to play pretty much the whole game and either score or assist on every single possession for them to win. Like, and even then, it, it, it wasn't a comfortable... I mean, it, it sort of in the last little bit, it blew out a bit. But Lakers were right there the whole way. And they... St- weren't playing great at all. I don't know how many turnovers they finished with, but gee, that first quarter was ugly. They were throwing the ball everywhere. Um, and even in the, in the second half, they had some, some bad turnovers as well. Um, what, what, what did you think about um, uh, the, the way that... Um, uh, did you reckon... Well, this, my view is that, that, that the, the reason that the Lakers were sort of thrown out was AD's early foul trouble. Um, I think that played a pretty big factor. Um, what was your thoughts on that? So it certainly interrupted their normal rotations and um, flow of the game, which is always going to happen when one of your key guys gets into foul trouble and has to leave the game when you've got um, set rotations and set lineups and you have to change that. Um, but the game was over in the first quarter um, just the way that the Lakers come out. Um, the fact that they were lackadaisy with the basketball. Both LeBron and Anthony Davis had um, four turnovers each, eight between them. The team had 10 in that first quarter. You can't have 10 turnovers in the first quarter of an NBA Finals game and expect to to be able to win. Um, as, as good as you are, as we said, it's that's a mindset thing. That's not a talent thing. They just come out thinking that we're 2-0 up and um, we, we can just cruise through this. And, and to Miami's credit, they're not rolling over. They're, they're fighting and they come out with, with exactly that. They played with force and you know they made the most of that, that um, casual attitude and forced them into those turnovers. And then you, you compound that with getting three fouls on Anthony Davis. You know, the, that's that thrown out the whole first half um, for the Lakers was shot. Um, and, you know, it's, it, it's disappointing that, you know, Anthony Davis is in his first NBA Finals. And this comes down to leadership too from LeBron and from the coaching staff. But if you're in the third game of your first NBA Finals, I don't understand how you could be casual or, or be taking anything for granted. And as I said, part of that comes down to the leadership of LeBron um, and the coaching staff as well to not allow players to to get into that mindset of, of coming out and being casual with the basketball like that because you're behind the eight ball straight away, which is what happened. And every, every time you try to make a run, it almost feels like you're just you're you're in 
um, in mud, trying to just, you know, the, you could see the Lakers trying to get back into the game, but it's just such a struggle when you start the game in, in that poor of a fashion. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Did, was it was it the third the third foul on AD that was the charge? Yeah, on Kelly Olynyk. I would have challenged that. Yeah. And I know you, you try and keep your challenges till late, but I would have challenged that because I reckon that was a massive turning point because... He, he was then, um, he didn't want to be so aggressive. Like, he, he could tell he was almost timid. Like, I, I want to stay on the court, but I can't be my usual aggressive self. And it was almost doing more harm than good in, in some instances. Um, and I just think, uh, like, I understand you, know, you might need your challenges late and things like that. But I think being 2-0 being up and, and trying to, you know, take that command in 3-0 lead, um, if that were me, I would have challenged it. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I know from an analytic point of view, the, the coaches always talk about that they save their challenges for things like um, if you foul someone and it's a three-point play, then they challenge that because if it gets overturned, then you know it's a, it's a, it can be a six-point swing. You take three points off them and then you get the ball back. So whether that yep. played a part, but I, I agree with you in the sense that um, that's where analytics... It can sometimes hurt you in the game of basketball because him having to leave in the second quarter with that third foul throws out your whole rotation and your whole, your whole flow. Um, whereas if you challenge it and it gets overturned and they get um, the ball back and he's only got two fouls, you know, you've still got your same rotations, your same matchups and things like that. Um, so, yeah, that's a, that's a good point you make. Yeah, I think I think if it's, if it's sort of... LeBron or AD, and it's in that situation. I'm, I'm seriously considering challenging, no matter what stage of the game it is, because you know when someone gets in foul trouble, it just it can throw their whole. There's very few guys who know how to play pretty much the same when they're in foul trouble. Nearly everyone sort of takes their foot off the pedal a bit, or um, you know. And then when people attack the rim, you, you sort of get out of the way because you don't want to pick up that next foul. So it doesn't really help. It doesn't really help your team um, in any way, shape, or form. Um, but you know, I, I also understand that you'd hate to not have it late and need it. <laughs> so that's why I think they tend to tend to leave it for that, you know, the fourth quarter. And as you talk about, if it's, you know, a three-point play and things like that, which can really swing the momentum, they try to um, try to keep it for, for those moments. Um, what did you uh, think of LeBron today? He was okay. Um... He wasn't obviously what he was in game two or even game one. Um, I thought he sort of kept us in the game in that first half um, and then had a really good patch at the start of the fourth quarter. Um, I think he assisted or scored on the first 11 points in that last quarter up until that Rondo layup that put us up by two. And I thought, okay, you know, he's going to be able to um, lead us home. Um, you know, in a tough, tough game where, you know, as I said, it was a struggle. Almost, you're just like you're running in mud the whole time, just always struggling to, to get yourself back into the game. Um, but then after that Rondo layup from there, it you know, he was really forcing things. And I think that's part of it when you're always trying to play catch up and always trying to get yourself back in the game. And the other team makes timely shots like that Kelly Olynyk three that hit the front of the rim and then um, rolls over and goes in. You know, shots like that really hurt when you're always playing catch up. And then that tends to force you to, um, 
I guess, try to do things you're not naturally trying to do in, in your offense. And that's where you're seeing he had two um, travels in that fourth quarter, took a couple of threes that were ill-advised, um, just trying to get them um, back into the game. So, yeah, I thought he was poor from, from that perspective. But I thought, he, yeah, the first half he, he kept us in it. But, you know, as I said... It, if you start the game in the wrong frame of mind, it's very hard to then flip the switch and get yourself into um, game mode um, after that. Um, so, yeah, I thought he was poor from that perspective in terms of just not starting the game the way you should. Yeah, that's that's a good point, actually. Um, who who do you think is to blame for starting like that, or is it is it a collective thing? I think it's leadership. I think you have to you have to put it on your leaders like that like we talk about guys like Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving like we we knock them for not being leaders, being supreme talents, but not having that leadership when it matters in the playoffs to be able to get your team ready to perform at their best when your best is needed. So I have you have to put it on on your on your leaders and your coaching staff um, to make sure that everyone's in in the in the right frame of mind to start the game. And when your two best players each have four turnovers in the first quarter, that sets the tone for all your players. You can't be expecting guys like Danny Green, KCP, these types to set your energy and set your tone. That's where your leaders have to do it. So they come out in that first quarter and we're throwing the ball away and turning it over. And that's going to trickle down to you, to the rest of you guys. So yeah, I put it squarely on, on your leaders and, and, um, LeBron, you know, he gets all the all the credit, you know, for being a tremendous leader. So he has to now take the criticism for the way they started that game. I did, um, I did uh, love the uh, the the story about the um, uh, LeBron's comments to to Jimmy at the end of the first quarter, and then Jimmy in reverse back to LeBron at the end of the game. I've forgotten what he said now. Um, it's over. Oh no, that's, uh, they're in trouble. They're in trouble. That's right. Yeah. They're in trouble. And, and I love that Jimmy great. was like, Jimmy was saying to the um, the media, "Let's just get this right. I didn't start this." Like, yeah. And that's just good competitive stuff, isn't it? Like that's yeah. You know, when you when you're a competitor like Jimmy, um, you know that not to get you know upset about it and carry on and things like that. It's just okay. He said that the first quarter, and now I'm now this is my chance when I've sealed the game for us. I'll go back at him and. And that's one of the great things about basketball is is that trash talk and that sort of thing that, you know, this this the idea of you know the Morris brothers when they get in people's faces and guys throwing elbows like that stuff, yeah, that's not what it's about. It's you know, yeah, you know, when one player's like, okay, we've come back, we're down three going into the end of the first quarter, and LeBron's like, okay, we're gonna run over yours, and then him on the flip side can say, nah, this is this is my night, and and do that at the end like that. That's that's what we love about basketball. Yeah, and they they both spoke about loving that competitive um, um, matchup. Like, um, yeah, I think I think LeBron said he loves it, loves playing against a guy who's that competitive. And, and Spo was saying that you know, and this is probably something else that I think gets gets missed with Jimmy quite a fair bit is is you know Spo has coached D Wade and LeBron and Shaq and Alonzo and some really great players and and puts Jimmy in terms of competitiveness like right up there. Like he's one of the most competitive people you know, in, in the association. And when he talks about, you know, we got to leave it all out there, like, he, unlike, you know, our, our, our famous uh, friend Paul George on, on this uh, podcast, <laughs> he then comes out and does that. Like, 
he takes it to the next level. Doesn't just say we're going to play harder. He then comes out and plays harder. And it's at levels where you're like, I, I didn't think he had that in him. Like, um, and it's this this conversation could easily be said about LeBron several times. But as I said, LeBron does it so often that it sort of just becomes the the norm. Um, and I, look, I didn't I, I didn't think it, was, it wasn't LeBron's best game, but I didn't think he was bad by any stretch of the imagination. It was just one of those games where a guy just had it going. And to be honest, there wasn't many people on the planet who could have done anything about it. Um, you know, it's, what I love is there's a lot of, um, uh, rightly so, a lot of um, love for, for Kobe throughout this entire um, uh, series and, and you know, what it would mean for the Lakers to, to win for Kobe and things like that. Jimmy's performance was Kobe-esque. You know? <laughs> that's, that's another tribute that you can throw in there. Um, that, was, that was something like, the, that mentality was the mama mentality. That's, that was it in a nutshell. Um, yeah, I, 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 I can't really say much more. I'm just so excited. <laughs> what um, what'd you make of Spo's adjustments for Game 3? Uh, yeah, I liked him. I liked him. I thought they, they, they tried several different things um, from the first two games, um, including the, um, the, the slightly different look um, zone that they played in this one com- compared to the last one, um, but then also going out of that more more often too which which was sort of unusual i guess compared to compared to the previous games um and then on the offensive end i love that it was just particularly in that late in that fourth quarter it was just you know get the ball to jimmy and and just get out of the way um and they ran this this play um you know where jimmy would sort of end up with it just inside the three-point line at the top top of the key like three or four times and the lakers couldn't seem to stop it like it was and either jimmy would drive or he'd drive and kick back out and you know, you'd have your other guys, um, uh, your heroes and your, your Duncan Robinsons and that, you know, ready to shoot. Um, so I, I really thought he, he made some good adjustments. But I do think, and we'll talk about this in a sec, but I do think that um, as good as they were, this was just an all-time performance. And, and you know, I'll, I'll let you answer before I go to my next question <laughs> on what you thought about his adjustments. Yeah, I, I thought it was terrific. Um, we spoke about that... You know, Miami's not just going to roll over. They're going to continue to compete, even though they're they're outmatched. Um, and there's been plenty of teams that would would have seen it and thought, you know, we're just we're no shot here. And they tend to go into their shells and just sort of almost go through the motions of, yeah, we're going to play hard, but we we understand that we're probably going to lose, so we'll just try to make a respectable loss. Um, and yeah, whereas. I, you got to give respect for Miami to come out and they obviously got destroyed in the zone in game two. Um, so they thought, okay, we know in man they're picking apart our mismatches. So how do we get out of the zone that we got killed in, play a man so we can be more physical and really take the fight to them, but not get caught out on those mismatches? And I thought the adjustment to basically what they were doing is anytime they were trying to get Hero or Duncan Robertson into a switch on the screens, they would send the the double up very high. So then it gave them enough time to, if you did switch on the pick and roll, that then there was enough space for them to get under it and then get back. So Jimmy Butler could either get back or Crowder could get back to LeBron instead of getting stuck with Duncan Robertson or Tyler Hero guarding him. So I thought that was a very clever thing for um, 
Eric Spolster to do instead of just thinking, okay, we're going to play man, and as we always see, they'll just pick and roll and then get the mismatch. By sending the double team higher, like 35 feet, gave them the ability for Duncan Robertson and Hero to then get out of it and then get the right matchup back on LeBron. So, yeah, we've spoken about how good of a coach Eric um, is, and that's just another example of, okay, we're... We're not just going to go into our shells and continue to do what we've done. We're going to continue to try to change things and ask questions of the Lakers and see if they have answers for them. Because I think a lot of coaches would just be like, oh, look, we'll just do what we think we've done best this year and we'll probably lose. Whereas Spo's not afraid to be like, let's change something. Let's ask the question of the Lakers and see if they can answer it. And look, if they answer it and they still beat us, at least we've, we've you know, emptied the tank. At least we've left no stone unturned of trying different things to try to make them uncomfortable. So, um, yeah, as I said, you just tip your cap to Miami to, to not be rolling over um, and, and just trying different things to, to make the Lakers uncomfortable, and it, it worked today. Yeah, and you, and you could see right from the get-go, guys like Duncan Robertson that were hunting shots. Like, you know, it, it, there was that article that came out where, where Spo was losing at him in game two, like, shoot the effing ball. Yeah. <laughs> um, because he... Because he was so timid, and some of his shots in this game were terrible. I must terrible. They were terrible shots. They didn't even hit the bloody ring. They were that bad for such a good shooter. But you could see that he was, you know, that they were he, that the guys were listening to obviously what Spo was preaching. Um, where where do you think Spo sits in terms of coaches in the league now? Um, obviously, know he's up there, but but if you had to sort of, I don't know, put a ranking on it, where would you have him? So I think this obviously this run is is you know it's going to elevate him quite considerably because um, we spoke about it a few pods ago that when you coach someone like LeBron, it gets lost in translation a lot of stuff with the coach because everyone seems to have this opinion that LeBron is is the pseudo coach and controls so many things um, when he's on the team. So even though he'd been to four NBA Finals, won two championships. The, he never really got any of the credit because it, it all sort of goes through LeBron. Um, so I think now people are starting to see just how good of a coach he is and how good of a tactician he is that he doesn't have LeBron um, on the on the team and he's still getting these tremendous results. So for me, he has to be top top three. Um, you know, the, the guys that you would put in front of him, obviously you've got Greg Popovich um, on his last legs in, in San Antonio. Um, but then outside of that, you know, I wouldn't put too many more. Like, you could almost throw a blanket over him and, and, and the other probably five or six up the top there. Um, where do you sort of rank him? Yeah, I agree. I think it's easy to, to say he's, uh, you know, one or two. Uh, based on this run, but I think if, if you do look at, you know, what he's been able to achieve with with the rosters that he's had, um, you know, ever since I guess the the big three in in Miami, um, he, he's always they're always around the mark, um, you know. And if you if you look at other coaches who are up there, they've sort of all got, um, you know, a, a talent or, or multiple talents, unlike this Miami team. Um, I mean, they've got talents, but I mean, in terms of where they sort of sit in the league, like you've got Jimmy Butler, but then you've probably got a pretty decent gap to your next. Um, oh, sorry, when Bam's healthy, you've got Bam as well, but he obviously hasn't been he hasn't been playing. So I'd, I'd have him. I agree with you. I'd have him top three. Um, and I think if if you know you had the choice of of um, yeah, you know, you're starting a new team and you needed the coach, you'd have to really give him consideration to take him from the get go because it's not just about the basketball. 
it's about the culture. It's about building that that family environment that they have in Miami that not many other teams have, um, because because there is such a, a high amount of player movement and things like that these days. That sort of ten, you tend to lose that a little bit. But guys seem to move in and out of Miami as if they've been there their entire careers, and I think that's pretty special. Uh, I think Spo has a lot to do with that, as does you know Pat and the, and the front office as well. Um, I don't want to uh, poo-poo Miami's uh, <laughs> Miami's great day, but what do you think about um, you know people are saying now it's a series and you know it's two-one and, and Miami's back in it? Um, what, what's your thoughts going forward from here? So going forward, Lakers are still well in control. They're still the far better side if they play to their potential. And I said at the start that Anthony Davis and LeBron have to be the superstars that they are. Um, and they, they will win the series. Now, both were below their, their best um, in, in Game 3, and Miami were obviously very close to their best. So what I see happening from here is Game 4 will be a rout. Um, LeBron will come back and have his best game of this postseason run after, after this uh, because we know the criticism is going to come for the next 48 hours. Every media outlet that that loves to throw anything at LeBron will will have a field day with this, um, and he'll come back in game four. They there's no way they're going to come out with that relaxed mindset that they had at the start of game three. Um, they'll be able to watch the film and see what they did in game three. Miami did on the defensive end, and be able to combat that. Um, Anthony Davis is not going to get in foul trouble. He's going to have a lot better game. Um, and I think from there, then they'll, they'll finish it out in five. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think the next game... It's funny, I almost, almost give uh, Miami a chance to win um, game five than I do the next game. Like, I really think that they're going to be up against it next game um, because, as you said, Lakers are not going to come out that way. I reckon they'll come out ridiculously aggressive... Um, try to take the ball out of Jimmy's hands, make somebody else beat them. Um, and the other thing is, if Bam is good to go, you've got to try and move him back in, which, you know, everyone says well, he's, he's obviously the, you know, second best, if not best player on their team, depending on who you ask. Um, but it's not easy to just come straight back in when you had a pretty poor game one and you've been out since and contribute to winning, like in this intense environment. Um, so if he's good to go, I think that, I don't know, it's a tough one of, you know, does it actually hurt them or does it, you know, make them better? I mean, it's, there's another body, another good player. Um, you obviously got to play him, but I just think, yeah, I, I think game four is going to be uh, a decent, sizable win for the Lakers. Um, and they'll probably finish it in five. Um, but I definitely think this, this, as I said, I'd give Miami more of a chance of winning game five than game four because I just think it's going to be a wrap. Um, and... I think uh, people are just are just happy that it wasn't a sweep, <laughs> but um, I think a gentleman's sweep is is sort of the the next thing in mind, and people need to pump the brakes on saying that you know it's going to be two two after the next game, and it's it's going to be you know a, a series from there. Um, and I understand it; people are falling in love with Jimmy, and he thinks they can do it, so <laughs> why not jump jump on his shoulders? But um, I think if you just step back and have a look at it, one game doesn't change really much um, from the views of before because it's exactly what we said needed to happen for Miami to win. It was either they come out and they shoot a, a crap load of threes and um, hit a good percentage of them 
Um, or they play a near-perfect game and Lakers play about 70%, and that's pretty much exactly what happened. And as we said, it's, it's Jimmy's performance is, is up there with, with the all-time performances in the NBA Finals. So there were so many things that went right for Miami, so many things that didn't go right for the Lakers, and they were still in it at the end. So yeah, it, it doesn't... It doesn't. I, I I tend to agree with you. I think um I think the the next game um I've seen so many people say it's going to be very interesting. I think it's going to be very one sided. That's how I would probably describe it as my prediction. Yeah, and you make a good point about Bam, um like because as a um saying a couple of pods ago that once you lose a guy like that, it sometimes can be an advantage at least for the the next game or the next couple of games after that happens because your scouting report is based around what their stars do and how they run when their stars are out there. And then that all goes out the window, so you're almost running on the fly. And you saw that in today's game where um, you spoke about they were running that play where Jimmy would have the ball and then was able to go one-on-one. That's because they have so many shooters on the floor now where a guy like Bam's out there, you don't have an Olenek who's a perimeter threat. So you don't get that space to go one on one where the where the defense is staying at home on the perimeter guys. So what worked for them in game three, if Bam does come back in game four, as you say, that could be a hindrance. And it also brings Dwight Howard back into the game. He wasn't able to play a lot of today because the matchups didn't work and they weren't running the zone. So if Bam comes back in, he then becomes a factor again like he was in game one. So, you know, it's um, not necessarily, you know, you bring Bam back and, and things are going to be easier for Miami because they've then got to adjust and, and um, the Lakers obviously can do, you know, they were up 32 in that first game when Bam was playing. So, you know, um, when people sort of say, you know, if Bam comes back, they're a better chance. I still think, you know, what they've had the last two games with not having Bam doesn't make them a better team, but it's made it harder for the Lakers because they've had to change their whole scouting report and try to figure out what they're doing because Miami's just changing things on the fly. Yeah, you're exactly right. And when you when you win, um, obviously you want to fix up your, your slight mistakes here, but you don't really make many adjustments. You want to roll it back. Um, and then obviously if you, if you are throwing Bam into the mix, well, you're going to have to make adjustments. Um, like right now, maybe you should be saying, let's, let's watch the film, let's fix up a few little things that didn't go right, but let's, this, this works for us. Let's, let's, work, let's continue with this and let's let the Lakers make the adjustments to try and stop it. Um, but then, you know, you, you do throw Bam in and all of a sudden it's, okay, well, we're going to have to mo- change something around. Um, or, you know, does he, does he just become somewhat of a decoy, you know? Um, you know, play the, the Myers-Leonard role or something, you know, where you're, you're out there, but you're not a focal point, I guess, um, of the offense. And I actually think that in a, in a weird way, um, Jimmy's been able to, to control more of the game without Bam out there. Um, it's almost like he's not looking for him all the time, um, if that makes sense. Um, you know, he's sort of playing more within the flow of the game. Um, and... I honestly think Jimmy's at his best when he's playing um, one-on-one type basketball in the mid-range, you know. He didn't even attempt a three today. He's a mid-range specialist. Um, that, that little fade in the mid-range or the little um, floaters, that's his game. Um, or, or sort of using his body, his strength to, to get the um, defender off balance and going up for layups and things like that. So, again, you bring Bam into the mix and that, the, the paint is more crowded because Bam's, you know, more of a guy who, who likes to be down there doing his work. So... It just changes the dynamic. As I said, it doesn't. 
I'm, I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, they're better off without BAM, but it definitely changes the dynamic. Yeah. Um, what did you make of the Lakers leaving the floor before the time ran out? I didn't think anything of it. I thought it was an overreaction. Um, if we're talking about uh, Detroit walking off against Jordan and the Bulls, I've got a big problem with it. Um, but it's not like it was the end of the series and you didn't pay dues. It was 10 seconds ago. They were dribbling the ball out. You know, players usually go and stand, say, in the corner anyway of the court, so they're still on the court, I guess. I, you know, I didn't think much of it. Um, and I thought LeBron put it perfectly in the, in the post game. It was a little bit of frustration and it was a little bit the game was over. There's nothing wrong with that. It's, you know, Jimmy didn't give a shit. <laughs> he thought it was fine. He'd probably do the same thing in reverse. So, yeah, I, did, I thought it was one of those over-exaggeration over things. Um, and probably more, it's probably more like a modern-day NBA thing. Uh, back in the old days, it wouldn't even be, no one would mention it because it was just the norm. But, you know, it's, in these days, it's yeah, more about the, the, the people who are watching and, and being role models and things like that. But I didn't take any sort of unsportsmanship out of it. I didn't take any of that. I just thought it was over, an overreaction. Um, that, that they walked off, they were, they were pissed off. <laughs> see you later. They, if I'm Miami, I'm like, yeah, see ya. <laughs> see you later. You know, Jimmy said he's got his final final words in, so I'm sure that's all he cared about. <laughs> yeah, and I assume a, uh, I assume you'd have the same view. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, as I said, it's not the end of the series. You're not you're not shaking hands after the game. They, you know, they're coming back in two days to play again. It's the difference between 0.8 of a second. Like, as you said, they're, they're going to dribble the, the ball out. So the only reason it was a thing is because they walked off, the shot clock expired, and they had to bring bench guys on to finish the game technically. So if if that doesn't happen, then it's never even a thing. Um, I, was, I was annoyed because I felt, yeah, LeBron sort of just took off on, on the team and things like that, but... When he came out in his press conference and he owned the fact that he turned the ball over four times in the first quarter and that's on him and he takes responsibility for it, and then I was all cool because I'm like, you, you, because there was times during the game where I'm looking at it and thinking, you know, you, you're getting on your teammates and things like that, you know, but you, you're all in it together. You're all as bad as each other. You're all making mistakes. So I was sort of like, you know, maybe try to bring them along a bit more. So when he walked off, I was like. You know, I hope he's not just you know putting it all on, the, on his teammates. So I was fine once he came out in the press conference and owned it himself and said, I've got to be better. So yeah, no, no problems at all. And now he's got to come back in game four and he's got to be that leader. And the reason we give him all the credit, he's got to then produce and, and lead the Lakers to a game four victory. Yeah, yeah. And I think he will. And I think you're right. I think it's, yeah, it's heat of the moment sometimes. It, 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 looks, it can look a certain way. Um, but as soon as you own it and understand it, it's like, oh, it wasn't, you know, it, you, you then get the proper interpretation, I guess, of, of what occurred. Um, but I did feel like there was, you're right, there was, I've never seen, or not in this final series anyway, so much sort of um, bickering on the court between the Lakers. There was a lot of it going on, and you could see that they were frustrated um, yes. by, by the way that Miami were playing. But I also think they were also just out of, out of sync a little bit as well, and that was also frustrating them. It wasn't just Miami. Um, They were a little bit out of sorts themselves. And there were some guys who were playing terrible, like Danny Green and and KCP didn't have very good games again. Yes. Um, So, yeah, there's there's a lot of, as I said, there's a lot of things that that can still, the law of averages would work in the Lakers' favour and the law of averages would work against Miami. (laughs) 
after after a game like that, which is why you know as much as I'd love it to to keep continue going, it's it's hard to see that happening. Yeah, spot on. But um, again, just I just have to tip my hat to Miami. You know, the, in a competitive world, like all you want is guys. No matter the circumstances, no matter the odds stacked against you, is you just leave it all out there. Do as play the best you possibly can. And if that's not good enough, well, you live with those results. But we see so often, you know, when guys and teams just, you know, roll over and, and, and make it easy for the opposition. I just love that Miami's not making it easy on the Lakers. They're just going to fight and claw and, and make adjustments and change things up and just just make the Lakers have to, have to beat them, not just, you know, roll over and, and die. Make the Lakers have to beat you, so... Yeah, just tip me hat to Miami, but I hope that that's they can have their day in the sun for Game Three, and now we take the take the next two and, and into La La Land as champions. That's right. I think I think Spo uh, Spo uh, put this game perfectly when he said, "What more can you say other than Jimmy Effin Butler?" <laughs> <laughs> that's that's that is that's you know one of those games that will, will go down in history, um, probably on a losing side, most likely on a losing side. It's just one of those all-time games. Yeah, um, the Jimmy Butler so, game. The Jimmy Butler game. That's right. That's right. Um, have you got anything else before we before we wrap it up and uh, look forward to uh, to the next game? Uh, if you're going to put a bet on the NBA, bet on Lakers ten plus, LeBron thirty plus, and you'll make yourself some money. Is that everyone bar me? Everyone <laughs> bar that you. Bet on? Exactly. Yes. Gamble <laughs> <laughs> oh, responsibly like though. Gamble responsibly, that's it. We're trying to get some, some tab or sports bet sponsorship on here, so we've got to make sure we throw in the gamble responsibly at the end. Yeah, exactly, exactly right. Put your house on it. That's it. Uh, very good. All right, well, uh, thanks for everyone who listened, and um, uh, we will talk after, uh, after Game 4 Buckets. So uh, talk to you then. See you, mate.